On all Calgary Flames games days, home and away, you can participate in the Calgary Flames Foundation 50-50 draws online. Go to www.calgaryflames.com slash 50-50 to purchase your raffle tickets and watch the jackpot grow every Flames game day. Tickets are available from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Funds are directed to Southern Alberta charities, including the Calgary Flames Sports Bank and Flames Even Strength Program. Let's get into the game and support the Calgary Flames Foundation. Chance to win big. And the winner could be you. Must be over 18 and in Alberta to purchase. License number 570062. Sport Calgary is the voice of over 300 sports organizations in the Calgary area. Share your voice and become a Sport Calgary member for free at sportcalgary.ca slash members. Kids Sport Calgary presents the Face First Podcast with your hosts Alicia Rissling and Grace Defoe. And here they are sliding right on in, Grace and Alicia. All right, welcome everyone back to the Face First Podcast. My name is Alicia Riz Rizling, and I have my co-host, Grace Dafo, and I'm really excited to share who we have with us here today. So we have Kevin Hodgson. So Kevin is the Director of Operations for Heroes Hockey, one of the pioneers of the Hockey is for Everyone movement, your billet family for the Calgary Hitmen, and a proud sliding dad, among many, many, many other things which we are going to get into um today but thank you so much for taking the time to join us today kevin how could i say no to you guys well thanks (laughs) so i want to jump right in and talk about heroes and the difference between heroes versus superheroes so tell us a little bit about about the program yeah so heroes so heroes is an organization we actually started in 2000 um and the very first program location was actually in vancouver so the downtown east side of vancouver And our founder, Norm Flynn, grew up in Winnipeg in an area of Winnipeg called the North End. And for people who are familiar with Winnipeg, that, you know, it's there's lots of reasons to not be successful if you live in the North End. But there's lots of motivation to be and there's lots of role models that have come from that area as well. And so Norm had um, needed hockey to get him on a, a little bit different path. And so he started playing at the age of 10 with some help from some people in the community. And it led him to playing in the WHL when he was 16 and um, ultimately on to university. And he sort of had a dream of doing that for one kid one day. So fast forward to 2000, um, you know, so a friend of his said, you've been talking about it a long time, let's make it happen. And so started Heroes and really it was geared towards making sure that financial and social barriers didn't need to be a reason that kids didn't play. So it started out as, as just a one week summer camp, provide all the gear, do all that kind of stuff. And we learned some really powerful lessons at that time. I mean, the kids took the equipment home with them. And when they came back the next day, they needed new equipment because when families are in difficult situations and have to survive, they make difficult decisions. And they had, some of the families had to turn that equipment into food. Right. And so we learned some lessons from that, but as it went along, the same kids kept wanting to come back. And so uh, what it meant is that if you, it showed us, if you make an investment in young people, they feel that and they'll come back. And so that turned into a, a, you know, a year round hockey program, again, making sure that the kids who are the very furthest removed, I'm the biggest booster of kids sport, you know, but these are the kids that even a kids sport grant can't get to. They're, they're so far removed from sport. So we do everything short of putting the rink on the back of the truck and taking it to them. So we transport them to the rink. We feed them when they're there. 
their gears waiting for, for them at the rink. They're on the ice. We transport them back home. You come in as young as grade four. You stay as long as you want. We're, we've got kids that we're providing university bursaries for that we've known since 10 years old sort of thing. So that exists all across Canada. We go right from uh, uh, Vancouver Island to Quebec. So we have 24 programs that we call heroes programs. That's sort of what we're traditionally known for. But in 2018, we kind of by accident discovered that there, was, there wasn't anywhere in Western Canada for kids that were aspiring hockey players living with physical and cognitive challenges. There wasn't anywhere for them to play. And we had to make a, a, a decision. Were we going to sit back with everybody else and complain nobody was doing something? Or were we going to jump in? So we kind of we dove into the deep end of the pool. I'll be really honest. We didn't know what, what we were doing in some senses, but we made sure we connected with families and all that and, and found out that we actually knew a lot more than we thought we did. And uh, so 2018, that started with one program. We now have two in Calgary, one in Edmonton, one in Regina, and working on three more locations in Western Canada for this coming fall. So um, that's when we talk about superheroes, we're talking about our players with, with special needs. And on the hero side, we're largely talking about financial and social barriers. Yeah. And like what, what an incredible program to start from. Um, so you guys mentioned you started this like way back in 2010 and, and it's been growing ever since, but uh, how do you find these kids? Because I know a lot of times um, kids in facing these specific um, extreme hardships, like, they they don't necessarily know about like these programs. They don't have the resources to be able to find them. So how how do these or do they come to you? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I am going to say it's actually 2000. The only reason I say say that and correct you between 2000 and 2010 is we call ourselves we're adults now. We're in our 21st year, so like we're old enough to rent a car. We're old enough to do all these things. So we feel like our little- yeah, my bad. That's a significant difference. So, <laughs> but our little engine that could has now grown into a grown up, and, and we're doing some cool things. And uh, anyways, so on the hero side, really, the we partner with the schools that are in the neighborhoods where we're working. So we identify uh, okay. neighborhoods. We work with school boards, social service organizations, and say. <laughs> Where are the concentrations of the kids that are having the least access to resources? And and so in Calgary, that's Forest Lawn and Bonas, for example. And then we go to the schools and we say, okay, here's our criteria. It's got, you know, there's, there's got to be the financial barrier, but there's also got to be other things that just make you feel like this kid needs something like this. And we let the schools choose them. So when a, when a kid starts, we meet them for the first time at the rink. You know, we, we the fact they get signed up, but we, well, we let the schools choose because the schools and the social service organizations, they know the kids the best. They know who needs it the most. And we're not looking for kids who are dying to play hockey. We're looking for kids who are dying to be part of something, right? Mm-hmm. Some of I would say probably 40% of our kids like wake up every morning wanting to play hockey. On the hero side, I would say about 20% are kind of, I'd say hockey indifferent. And it's usually because they're newcomers or first generations Canadians who haven't been exposed to the sport at all. So they don't know what it's about. And then 40% who, who want to be on a team, right? So either way, we can bring everybody together in a community. And and uh, and it, it's really cool kind of what happens. And the nice part is we don't play in a league. We don't play games in that sense. So it's not about how good a hockey player you are. It's let's just have a chance to play hockey and and just be together. And, and you know, the kids, as they get older, they figure out it's, you know, we're, we're not going to turn them into elite hockey players. If that happens, we always say, quite honestly, it'll be in spite of us, not because of us. Um, they figure out that it's a mentoring a mentoring program where we're just using the game to connect them to people that want to help them with everything that's going on away from the ice. 
Well, they stare up right now. Um, that yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, I'm glad that, that there, there's a way to like find these kids because uh, that's what the first thought of my mind is like. Oftentimes, the they don't even know like what what's available to them, and especially a program like this that's very niche as well. Yeah. Um, but well, I love that you're exposing new Canadians to it as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you know, if you you know, every organization has their demographics and all that. I mean. You know, you, year over year, about 70% of our kids, when their families identify sort of cultural background, they're identifying a, what what some people call a non-traditional hockey player. Like 70% of our players are not identifying as white male, right? You right. know, a, th- a third of our players are female and a third of our players are indigenous. Like, you know, and, and this sort of thing, we have about a third of our players that identify from a bunch of different cultural backgrounds. We had one year we asked about the the first language spoken at home. And there was 33 languages, not including English or French, that were being spoken in the homes of, of the programs that we're serving. And that's just in Canada. We actually do programming in Northern Ireland as well. So we know that we're getting, you know, hockey is for everyone is an aspiration and it's a goal to reach for, but we're not actually, when I say we, hockey isn't doing it yet. We're, we're chasing it. It's a, it's a dream that we're trying to get to. Um, but for a very long time, we've been, We've just been saying the kids who need it the most are the ones that are going to play with us. And what mm-hmm. that often means is that it's it's kids from very diverse backgrounds and all those sorts of things. So for for 20 years, we've been diverse and we've been inclusive and we've been doing all those things that uh, that are so important for kids. And, um, you know, even when you talk about how do kids find us, one thing we learned on the superhero side is families had stopped looking for hockey opportunities for their kids. So we've got to go find them. We've got to let them mm-hmm. know. And like, we have players who use adaptive equipment where they live in wheelchairs during the week. And then there's, there's a device called a K trainer that they can use to skate upright. And, but those families are not looking for ice hockey experiences for their children. They had long ago given up on the idea of their kids be players. So we have a responsibility in those communities to go and find kind of the first one. Once word mm-hmm. spread, the parent network is so strong in, in the disability community. Then it goes right, but we have yeah. the responsibility to go find them and say, "No, this is a possibility. There's an opportunity here." So, making it happen. Um, so, building on that, now you you have this program that that's grown, and now you've had it across the country. I can't imagine um, how many staff do you have versus volunteers, and how important are those volunteers for you? So, there's myself and the founder of the two employees. Okay, 250 volunteers across the country, um, and wow. then have another group of about 25 volunteers in Northern Ireland. So we're pushing 300 across our network and it's, it's just two guys working out of their, their living rooms and out of their cars sort of thing. I mean, it's, we're, we're big in scope, I guess you could say, if you look on a map, but we're, Mm -hmm. we're grassroots. We're just, it's, it's what, it's what community development is supposed to be, which is really grassroots and just, maximize the impact on the community i uh, like i it just blows my mind the impact you guys are having as i mean with only two paid staff members it's incredible and um in the last few days i've seen the k trainer i saw it on twitter actually a video and of another of another kid pushing the kid in the in the k trainer and i rob um our producer rob posted it and i literally was sitting in tears pretty much almost of how just inspiring it is to see so like huge kudos um well you know and the the backstory to that video you're talking about you know that that thing's gotten over ten thousand views and that just happened on sunday um but the backstory to that is both of those players are largely nonverbal, so it's not like they have 
built a relationship through communicating verbally about stuff. Um, they're not kids who even decide to kind of communicate verbally to us what their needs are. We have to sort of figure it out. And uh, little Grayson, who was wearing number two in that video, so this is his second season with us. And of course, COVID is, has kept us off the ice for much of it. But he's always needed dad on the ice with him. And so during COVID, dad built, built an outdoor rink and I was getting videos from dad all winter saying, look at Grayson, he's skating by himself, he's skating by himself. So dad and Grayson were both excited to show us because that was his first time back at the rink since all this COVID stuff. And, and I didn't actually see it. I was talking to a family and, and Rob, you know, he's one of our honest volunteers. He came over and goes, you got to see this video. And, you know, Grayson's first, first inclination as an independent skater is to go help a teammate. You know, he wasn't using that to hold himself up. He wanted to help the way that he sees adults helping um, Joe, who's the player in that K trainer. I mean, it's just, you know, you talk about the power of sport and what it does to bring people together and how it can bring out the best in people. And you, I mean, you girls know this, you, you have long athletic careers and the stuff you look back on is the stuff like that, not necessarily the races you won when you were 13 coming up. Um, it's really powerful what sport can do and, and, and the impact it has on the families of our athletes too. We went in blind on that. We knew we were going to do something cool for these kids, but when you can, you know, when you can, allow parents to call themselves hockey dad, hockey parents, hockey moms, hockey dads, after they had given up on the dream, or, you know, they say, well, I used to be able to say only two of my kids play, but now I get to say they all play. Like these are the families that don't complain about going rink to rink all Saturday morning for three kids in different directions. They've been waiting their whole lives to do it. And so I still, you know, superheroes has been around. This is our third season. I, I'm not exaggerating to you when I say we haven't had a week where there hasn't been a crying grown up watching now sometimes it's me and rob but oftentimes it's the, <laughs> right um that's an indicator to me that we're doing it right because we're having that kind of impact on families oh i can't even imagine i have a big smile on my face just hearing that story i gotta go look up this video on twitter after but um so you mentioned that you the scope has grown to northern ireland how how did that happen and what's the connection there um so we're actually the largest so they call them cross-border initiatives so, of course, lots of people are familiar with the kind of the history of troubles between the Protestant and Catholic communities in, in Northern Ireland. And they look for neutral activities. And so many sports are tied to, like, there's, there's sports that are played that are predominantly played in, in Ireland. And there's sports that are played that are predominantly played in Northern Ireland. So there's community connection to them or a religious community or religious connection to them. And there's, so they, they look for neutral activities. So ice hockey is very neutral because there's no rink in the country of Ireland and there's one rink in Northern Ireland. And so most of our kids have skated once like public skating at, you know, a friend's birthday party growing up. But we just, just kind of through luck and coincidence and happenstance and people over there reached out to us. And, and a lot of the hockey community in Northern Ireland is driven by Canadians who have gone over there to play pro and never left. So, you know, you, you kind of go over there and it's a bunch of Manitoba guys talking, like it's kind of interesting, but um, so kind of the crux of it is half of, half of the players come from Ireland, half come from Northern Ireland. And the idea is bring kids together that are on very, that are on very different sides of this divide and give them a neutral activity. And we, we do a one week residential camp and that in the summer, and that comes at the end of 10 months of, of, um, remote and small group, uh, programs that happen and all that. And it's unbelievable. Like we just had our, our season end wrap up this uh this past friday 
with the kids and it was over there and it was it was absolutely amazing and they've adopted some of the hockey culture like they I told them once that you know when you're a kid playing hockey a pizza party is usually your year-end wrap-up so the kids all made pizza and they like ate pizza on zoom together and and uh you know and and they've just they've they've embraced sort of doing something neutral that doesn't that doesn't matter to more to one side than the other it's it's really quite profound and and some of those kids end up um we've had a couple of them where they end up in the military and then they come over to canada as part of their british army service so we're able to kind of connect them to hockey here and let them see what it's like over here and we've brought a couple of kids over to just sort of see the world outside of their neighborhood and stuff. It's, it's really cool. It's a nice little side piece and it just shows another thing that sport can do for young people. That's really profound, right? Absolutely. We see examples of that all the time and it just, it just goes to show how important it is for, you know, breaking these barriers and, and creating a community. When you say like now you have a third of, of your population or that is playing is, is women which I, I find really interesting that at such a grassroots level, you're actually being so successful at bringing in a bunch of girls into that. Uh, maybe just touch a little bit of that and how important it is. And is that something you guys are focusing on and trying to, to make sure that it's gender neutral or, or what's going on with that part? We're really proud to say that we've never once, um, you know, we've never once like targeted a specific gender or cultural community. We've never, you know, we've never, like there's no quota. There's no anything. It's, who are the kids who need it the most? And year over year, anywhere between 33 and 38% of our participants are females. And what I'm also equally proud of is about 36% year over year of our volunteers are females. So we have powerful female role models for our female players, but we also have powerful female role models for our male players. And it enables it enables everybody to witness healthy and healthy relationships and conflicts all resolution between you know, between our male and female volunteers, like we, we ask our volunteers if they're having differences about, you know, what's, what's the best way to run a hot, the, the drill that week, or what's the best thing about this to, to talk that out in front of the kids and let them see healthy problem solving and let them see sort of the gender dynamics that don't need to be at play in that. And, you know, so we've player, but we've also got some female volunteers who have learned to skate with our players, you know, and that sort of stuff. And so it's not, our female volunteers are not relegated to the hockey mom on the sidelines. You know, they're mm-hmm. on the ice. The, in Calgary here, the Mount Royal women's team is involved in one of our heroes program. Um, the edge girls um, prep teams involved in our other heroes program. And then the Mount Royal women and men's teams are both involved with superheroes, but it's, it's just, it's just always been a place that everyone is welcome. You know, in, in, to me, inclusion is about creating pathways for everybody who wants it. And there's no reason we say no based on who you are. Those are reasons to say yes. And we bring together everybody from these different communities. And what we really seek to do is build a community that's built around our team name and our jersey and all that. Build that sense of safe community there. And then let's start taking it back out into the larger community and that sort of thing. And and part of what I think, you know, the I think, you know, for us as an organization, some of the stuff that's talked about now in terms of equality and equity and inclusion, all those sorts of things. Um, We've always been doing that. So, but I think what the sort of the more recent focus on is also encouraging us to empower our kids and to, and to teach our kids how to have courageous conversations. So the example I'll give you is if we have a player walk in who wears a turban, being, being able to, to teach our kids how to respectfully 
say to their teammate, how do you wear a hockey helmet with a turban? Because there is solutions to that and it's easily resolved, but allow the kids to be able to ask that as opposed to sit there and not ask it or ask it in a way that's not respectful and those things. And I think sometimes that's how we learn too is by role modeling, um, courageous conversations or teaching kids how to have them and those sorts of things. And we're really lucky, like, you know, we've got, you know, even at our board level, I mean, uh, two out of our six board members are female. We've got, you know, Harn Ryan Singh is one of our board members. Like we've always strived to make sure that all of the adults that are around our kids are representative of who the kids are that are, that are coming in, where they come from. And if, if somebody comes in with a, with a culture or a faith that we don't totally understand, we'll go find somebody who can help us make sure that we're, we're being respectful. And, you know, it's little things, it's knowing when it's Ramadan. And so, um, Oh, if, if it's Ramadan during hockey season, that's probably not the, the week or two to be bringing in cupcakes for somebody's birthday because that leaves yeah. the participant around language on the ice and in the dressing room and, and those sorts of things. And what we found is that the various communities, if you, if you ask because you want to learn, they'll tell you everything. It's just about broaching it properly and then taking that information back to the kids. And uh, so it's it's been nice for us. It hasn't been a major shift in thinking it's just been me probably being a little bit more deliberate about what we do, but we've always been really proud of our, our diversity, our inclusion, and, and certainly very proud of the, the female participation. Cause we know in Canada, it's only about 10% of players are female and we're, we're three times that, you know, and I'm, I'm old enough to remember when girls got to start playing the game and, you know, like literally I, I coached a team on first time I coached a team was when I was 15 and I had two players that were girls, you know, they both went on to play on the national team. Not again, not because of me by, you know, <laughs> but I, those girls dress in broom closets or you know in a, you know or outside in saskatchewan winter in minus 30 like you know so i don't know what it was like but i remember watching that and that always stuck with me and we make sure that that none of our players feel like they're in the proverbial bloom, broom closet or they're stuck behind the glass or anything like that we need to get them on the ice we need to get them playing and we can problem solve yeah. anything we've we've learned about how to fit sport hijabs that match the color of our jerseys because girls still want them to match. So let's make sure it's the right color fits under a helmet. And <laughs> all those sorts of things like it's, it's all doable. You just have to be willing to, to want to and be willing to have courageous conversations. Courageous conversations, but also like be effective problem solvers. It sounds like these are a lot of lessons that, you know, regular sport could really take on, especially at a grassroots level. Um, that's like incredible what you guys have been able to do and in, in, in order to like work around, you know, being respectful and, and making everyone feel that they're included. Um, so kids start with you when they're as young as grade four or five, you said? And uh, yeah, grade four. Sometimes I have a tough time saying no. So sometimes grade three, but we like this. We like to aim for yeah. a grade three. Yes. I don't see yeah, and I did seven years old. And they can stay as long as they want. So are you sticking with kids that are still in university level that are coming in or yeah. how does that work? So what we say to the kids is once a hero, always a hero. Mm -hmm. Internally, we say it's like Hotel California. Of course, none of the kids get it. You guys are probably too young to even get that. <laughs> I get that. Come on. I get it. <laughs> but, you know, like, so the kids come in, they never have to leave. So what, like, sometimes people say to us, you know, okay, you have 32 kids on the team. Why don't you every year put 32 new kids on the ice, right? And mm -hmm. our feeling is there, there is great value in giving a thousand kids a little bit of experience. But if we can invest heavily in a smaller group of kids, we know what the output can be. We know what it looks like on the other end. And so 
you know, like this, this past year on the same, this past winter on the same day, I got a call from a kid. He's 19 years old. His dream had always been to own a barbershop. He opened, he opened a barbershop during COVID and he's kept it open. He's employing two people, one of whom is a parent. Like he, like he understands that. And so he, at 19, he's a business owner. That same day I got a call from a kid saying, I'm going to need a reference for law school, right? Cause I'm applying and, and I need a reference from you. And those are equally, those, those are, those are equal, equally meaningful. And those matter yeah. to us the exact same um, because both of those kids, when we met them, when they were 10, that wasn't, that wasn't the track that they were on and they didn't see a pathway to that. So um, there absolutely is a place that give kids a taste and then hope that the families can make it happen for them. But there's, there's a lot of kids who need a different experience and we just prefer to invest heavily. So we've, I, I've actually here in Calgary been kicked off the ice in one of the programs by a kid who came up through it. He went to university and he quite correctly came up to me and said, can I have your whistle? And I said, yeah, sure. He goes, I'm better at this than you are. So I got this <laughs> and I haven't, I haven't been on the ice since then. And it was one of my proudest moments because a, he was correct. B he understands way better than I do what it's like mm-hmm. to, to live in that neighborhood and to come up in that community. And mm-hmm. he, he's, he's always been a leader. And we had always said to him, you have this in you. And he just decided to show it on a really big stage. And that happened two years ago. I haven't been on the ice since then uh, in Calgary. And then, on the superhero side, the kids come in when they're like seven and they can literally stay as long as they want. Like um, organizations like Jumpstart that provides with some of our funding and um, they they fund youth on the parasport side up to 25. So the way I look at it is if a kid comes in at seven or eight, I got 17 years to find who's going to fund them after that. And I'm quite confident we'll be able to find that. And, and quite frankly, we have. I mean, the Flames Foundation have stepped up in a really big way. The Sutter family, Hockey Alberta, like, so the idea is 20 years from now, a kid who started superheroes at 10 could be 30 and still playing with his same team because there isn't there isn't another pathway. There's not another place for them to play. So when we decided we were going to start it, it had to be, it was going to be there forever sort of thing. We couldn't do it short term because kids kids are looking for a place to be and a place to belong and we're going to make sure we, we provide that to them. So I want to dig into, you mentioned into something you mentioned a little bit earlier and it do the kids from heroes ever end up in organized like more i guess what we call the normal stream of hockey i i don't like to use that word but if not like why and why not so so we in in a typical year we'll have about 850 players in our program so i'd mentioned to you norm wanted to help one kid we're over twelve thousand that have come through our program so this past year, if COVID hadn't hit, we'd have 850 players. Probably one hand, like five kids out of that 850 want to play organized hockey. And, and so you ask about the barriers. So I think there's a couple things there. I think one is we're exposing them to playing. Um, and these are often kids who have never played before and are really just checking it out. So they need it. They need a few years to get used to it. I think second of all, and, and I, I'll let, I'll let the skeptics decide whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think we create an adapted environment and a unique environment that feels really good for them. And they get what they need from, from participate, from being a hockey player out of us in the way that we run it. Um, you know, I mean, when I speak at coach, coaches conferences, I, I say to the coaches all the time, you should be jealous of, of our volunteers because they meet a kid at 10 and they get to plan to coach them for 10 years. Whereas the conventional system, they might get a year with them, you know, and this sort of stuff. But there's, there's some logistics things on the hero side that are very real for families. 
So, you know, we, if a kid wants to play, we'll make sure that the money's there. We'll work with kids sport and jumpstart, and then we'll pay the difference. We'll provide them with the equipment, but, um, you know, a good percentage of our families don't have access to transportation and hockey doesn't, you know, if you play organized hockey, it's not just in the, the rink down the, at the end of your street, you know, it's all over town and it's weird times and whatever. Um, and we have families that are quite honestly, you know, at very, it, some of them at various stages are just, just surviving and trying to get by. And the thought of driving across the city at eight o'clock for a hockey practice for their kid, it can be overwhelming. And then things like, oh, let's go to a tournament. It's only going to cost 260 bucks plus hotels or, oh, let's do track suits or, oh, let's do this. Like there's a place for that in the sport. And I'm not saying there isn't, but that can be a dead ender for our families. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I've said like, we can romanticize this notion that a kid putting a bag over shoulder and riding the bus across the city is a good thing. It's not, and it's not realistic. They do, you know, they do it once. And um, I guess one of my, my, my challenges to hockey is sometimes, you know, I'm all for commitment to sport. You guys haven't got to where you got to in your sport without being dedicated and committed, but it doesn't have to be a character test. You know, like so I've had people say, well, if your kid really, you know, if your hero's kid really wants it, they'll make it happen. Well, no, like if, if basic needs aren't being met at home and it's minus 30 and you've got to take the bus across the city to practice, that's not a failed character test. If you don't go, that's just, that's an example of we've always, we, the bigger hockey world. And I think the sport world too. And I've, I've always expected aspiring athletes to adapt, to be able to meet the, the structure of the sport. And what mm -hmm. we know is that that keeps a lot of kids out. So ourselves and organizations like ours, we're adapting the sport to bring it to where the kids are. And so, yes, are they playing in games and are they having that tournament experience? No. But are they getting the same thing out of it? I would argue that they were because I'm seeing kids that are still buddies with the guys that they played hockey with in Heroes and now they're in university or, you know, like all of those things that are happening for them. So it's just a different way of doing it. Yeah, I think I, what we would argue, I think, a lot about times of like when kids first start sport and like not everyone gets into hockey to play in the NHL and you get in what you get out of sport. And Grace and I probably can both attest to this is just being part of that team and, and seeing kind of like a greater good. And and it's basically like you said before, you have two ones now a business owner at 19 and one's now going to law school, which if they hadn't felt that inclusion in that place to be that maybe they wouldn't have ever found a pathway to get there i know you've got brothers that are hockey players right i got the one yeah and that's where i was actually going to go next because he was a calgary hitman player for five years yeah how long have you been a hitman billet for um he, it must be that he broke down the billets because we came after so we've only, <laughs> it, we've only been uh, this is our this would have been our sixth season if the players were with us. yeah and that's about the time he would have been gone. Yeah, he's been done since then. But um, how did you just make the decision to be a billet family? So our family, so I've got a daughter who's 20 and a son who's 17, but they've always grown up with other kids in the house. We we were foster parents. We were um, a support home for um, young people that were attending drug and alcohol treatment and eating disorder treatment. Um, so they've always had people in the house, to be quite honest with you. Um, you know, before I came to work at Heroes, I was working in social work. That's just always been the world. And uh, mm -hmm. and a couple of times over the years, you know, the hitman asked us if we would be 
billets and we didn't have room because we had our foster daughter and this sort of stuff. And so then when that had finished and she had moved out and uh, the house, like every, my wife and the kids and, and you know, cause I traveled like to check on our programs a bit and the house felt really empty and, and mm-hmm. her daughter has been traveling basically uh, winters. You, I mean, you guys know what it's like. Winters is your playtime when you leave town. And so our house mm-hmm. was really and so it seemed like a natural fit. So the, uh, so we started doing that. And so we were only on our second player cause we've had each of them stay for three years sort of thing. So it's, uh, it's been really cool. They become part of the family and you, you know, for us, you, you have to treat them like they're part of the family. Otherwise, why do it? You know, mm-hmm. I don't treat them like a tenant. You treat them like they're part of the family and we love it. And we, you know, I mean, I've got a program. One of our first player come, came from Surrey. We've got a program in Surrey. So when I go to check out that program, I stay in his bedroom because he's off playing pro now and whatever. So yeah. <laughs> his bedroom and his mom cleans up after me. Like it's sort of, you know, it's all things. Full before. circle. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it was one of those independent things. We didn't see it as, as a way to be involved in hockey. We just saw it as a way to, like I said, we've always been used to having kids live in our home and it was sort of like the only kind of kids that we hadn't had, you know, so, so mm-hmm. why a new thing and it's worked out really great for my daughter who's who's an athlete it's been nice for her to have another athlete in there and they do their ethics and sport training or you know test every year the about CCES the testing yeah and they yeah. You know, and it's always easier to be a healthy eater when you got another healthy eater next to you and stuff like that so mm-hmm. it's you've loved it so um and then so when is this something that you guys are going to keep going because now i i'm guessing you're now officially a massive uh hitman fan so and I know their season just got getting kicked off this weekend, I think, or next yeah, this week sometime. Right this weekend. Actually, you know what? We're doing kind of a fun thing with our superheroes and the Hitmen is, uh, um, you know, like the, the Flames. I mentioned the Flames are supporters, and that's extended down to the Hitmen. And so for the last couple of years, our Hitmen have been doing some really cool things for our players, both sort of team organized and sanctioned. But as you know, you know, I know your brother did a lot of community mm-hmm. stuff played for them and they also have those things that they just do quietly on their own because it's the right thing to do and so we've our players have been the beneficiary of that so we flipped it we flipped it it's on its ear so we've adopted the hitman this year because they're stuck in the hotel and in their bubble so we get together every thursday and the superheroes host a virtual activity for the hitman players so we've done kahoot game avenger hunt last week um i don't know what we're doing this week but uh we're taking care of them and we're you know, we, when they moved into the hotel, there was treats waiting for them from all the superheroes in a card. And we're just, we're going to take care of them. And it's really, it's actually really neat for our superheroes because I think those players and their families are used to being recipients of support and recipients mm-hmm. of, of, of concern and compassion. And so to be able to give that to the, our superheroes players to give back has been really profound and really exceptional and a lot of fun to do. And it's breaking up the monotony of the hotel a little bit, I think. So we're hoping that'll that'll contribute to their quality of life. But yeah, we're, our family is looking forward to hopefully next season getting a kid back in the house. Cause if nothing else, we, get, we need somebody to eat all, eat all the leftovers all the time. Cause you know, <laughs> that's all they're really good for. What an incredible concept though, to get the superheroes involved in just like, you know, be exactly what you said, be on the other side of that and have an opportunity to, to reciprocate some of this res- support that they've received. And it's, Obviously, about something that again, hockey is just the the common denominator in bringing everyone together. Yeah, I um, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a little teary eyed over here. Um, <laughs> I usually cry. Kevin, like, yeah, you you did say that, and I I've known Kevin through through Luge, um, and I actually didn't know all this awesome stuff you were doing on the side until um, 
after I had met you the first time, but I think the first, so for the listeners that don't know, my my partner was involved with Luge and still involved with Luge for many, many years. And Kevin's daughter is heavily involved with Luge as well as an athlete. Um, and I remember that actually the first memory of you guys, um, you and your wife cheering for the Hitmen. I think the board meeting was happening maybe on the other side of the table and the Hitmen scored and you guys were, you know, all up and about about the hitman being up and um i just think that like <laughs> yeah i mean that was the first time and i was like wow you know like these people seem seem really really great and i just can't speak that i actually have no words just that how profound some of the stuff you've dropped on us today um i think calgary and all of canada is so lucky for all, to be the recipient of all that you're doing so thank you oh well it's our pleasure i mean you know it's, it's us talking but i you know the truth of the matter is the volunteers are the magic of our organization. Like our organization, our volunteers could exist without me. I couldn't exist without the volunteers because I couldn't do all of this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm the one who gets to talk. I mean, it, it makes no sense that I'm the face of the organization looking like I do, but, um, <laughs> you know, these, these volunteers are absolutely incredible and selfless and, and the things that they're, they're prepared and willing to do, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's the same as, you know, as Brendan was for McKenna when she was a young athlete race, like it's, any, you know, anybody can be, a, anybody can call themselves a coach, but, but it takes a certain kind of person to be a coach. And, mm-hmm. and they just, they, they lead with their heart. And, and uh, I've always felt like you can teach a good person to run an on ice session, but you can't pe- teach an old school coach to be a good person if they aren't one. So mm-hmm. we go looking for the good people and the hockey stuff will figure itself out sort of thing. We, we get enough of the former players like your, your brother and stuff like that that can come <laughs> in, but you know, then we get a lot of just really good people. So I have to, I have to bang the drum and, you know, here in Calgary, we've got, geez, we would have pushing 60 volunteers here and there's no six or five, no 60 finer human beings than, than the people we got in our organization. So I do have to bang the drum for them. And, uh, and, and thank you for letting me come on and talk about it. I mean, I could go forever. I'm, I love talking about it and I love what you guys are doing here and shining a light on different people using sport in different ways in the community. And you guys are such great ambassadors for sport, not just for females, but for all athletes too. So it's great to get a chance to come on and talk to you guys too. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Um, so before we let you go, maybe we should just touch base on, can you let the listeners know if they want to get involved, whether it be from a donation standpoint, from a volunteer standpoint, how can they find more about, uh, about Heroes Hockey? So one way you'll know that we keep our admin costs really, really low is by looking at our website. It's, it's, it's an old website. It's it's (laughs) bare bones. But if you go to that, there's information about donating. There's information about volunteering. Um, but my contact information is on there as well. They always tell me, never give out your phone number in these things. So I'll just say, go to the website. My stuff's on there. I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. Um, obviously, you know, f- from a financial perspective, there's no charity who ever says, we've got all we need, right? Maybe we, yeah, of course we not. one no. day. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, make, and we'll make sure that, that the dollars stay in the city where the person is, is from and wanting it to go. And same with volunteers. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in... I'm in plan for September mode right now. Like we're, you know, in these COVID worlds, you got to plan for plan A and then have plan B behind you. So we're, we're starting to make sure we have the volunteers that we need where um, we're going to be announcing soon that we're adding a third team superheroes team here in Calgary. Um, the Northeast athletic association, they're, they're U 15 players. They basically said, um, how much money would you need 
to add a third team. And I told them and they said, all right, leave it with us. And they hit their goal last week. So that means. Oh, we'll, amazing. Yeah. So we'll be able to wipe out our wait list and we'll have a third team. So I'll need a few more volunteers, certainly for that one. But uh, heroeshockey.com is the website. Um, and, and that'll lead everybody back to me if the information they need isn't on there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Kevin, so much for joining us today on the Face First podcast. It's been a real pleasure. I'm so glad I finally got my my education down on such an important part of our community and just learning more about the great things that go on around here. So thank you for being a part of that and sharing with us. Thanks so much for having me. And Grace, it's great seeing you again. And it's very nice meeting you, Miss Risling. And you guys, I know you're at the tail end of your seasons and Keep grinding because I know your new season starts right away. You get back in that gym. So keep <laughs> quick turnaround for us this year for sure. Quite impressed. Yeah. You're able to balance everything you're doing. What you're doing is important too. It's getting the word out and keeping the conversation going. So good on you guys and best of luck to you moving forward as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Canadian Pacific was founded in 1881 and was formed to physically unite Canada and Canadians from coast to coast. Today, CP is a transcontinental railway in North America, providing rail services to key markets in every corner of the globe. Giving back to the communities they operate through is important for CP. Since 2014, their focus has been on cardiac health. Through their CP Has Heart program, CP has helped raise over $23.3 million for cardiac causes across North America. Physical activity is very important to heart health. CP is proud to sponsor Goals for Kids with the Calgary Flames, a program which benefits minor hockey, Calgary, and kids sport. For each home goal by the Flames, CP donates $500. Since 2007, CP has donated over $215,000 to kids sport. CP would like to remind everyone listening that February is Heart Month and encourage everyone to stay active, eat healthy, and have fun. This podcast is provided in part by Sport Calgary, partners of Kids Sport Calgary. Sport Calgary, tired of searching dozens of websites for local sports events? Visit www.sportcalgary.ca and find hundreds of local events, everything from community gatherings to summer camps to tournaments.